the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, big things are happening on Wall Street right now. It is up over 500 points on news from Moderna that their vaccine uh, in phase two testing is showing huge promises. Uh, People who went through, you remember, they went through phase one and uh, everybody got, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. But... uh, it was only like uh, six people or something that they had tested. It was a very small sample. Uh, now they're into, I think, uh, 45 healthy adults uh, using people between the ages of 18 and 55 who received two vaccinations 28 days apart. Then the participants were split into three groups, with one given a dose of 25 micrograms, another given 100 micrograms, another given 250 micrograms, and the vaccine was found to be generally safe and well-tolerated, with the most notable adverse events from the first vaccination seen at the 250 microgram level, with three of the group's 14 participants reporting uh, one or more severe events. Uh, adverse events were more common after the second vaccination. In addition, all of those participants in the 100 uh, ultra, uh, the uh, milligram uh, group and all 14 pati- uh, participants in 250 uh, suffered some type of adverse effect, the most common of which coming up was fatigue, some chills, some headaches, some uh, other things happened. Uh, so the bottom line is, all of the people, though, that were vaccinated formed antibodies uh, against the virus. And if you've, you know, sometimes I think that people worry too much about this virus. I, I saw a great meme the other day. It had uh, Rod Serling, a uh, picture of Rod Serling, and it said, uh, you know, imagine, you know, a time and place where people got sick and didn't know they were sick, but panicked anyway. And, and it, it really brings to mind what's going on right now. There's a lot of people that had this virus, didn't even know they had it. And uh, we're finding that the, the virus is not as um, deadly as people thought it was going to be, but yet people... Are, and, and governors and all kinds of people are freaking out about it still. 
Uh, we've got uh, Congressman French Hill on with us here right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's going to be with us. Don't forget that Dr. Terry Yamauchi will join us at 735. He's my go-to guy when I'm talking about viruses and, and uh, things like and, and what we're going through right now. Uh, kind of interesting when you think about this, uh, Congressman, that the news of what Madeira has done or Moderna or however they pronounced her name, uh, this uh, positive report that they have about the vaccine has totally, totally wiped out the news yesterday of what the president talked about of, uh, of uh, China. Uh, normally, if what he said yesterday about China had been the only thing out there in the news, the stock market would be fighting to get into positive territory. Today, not the case. Well, it is good news. And it speaks, Dave, to this moonshot that the president's been talking about. We've set a lot of money in the CARES Act toward uh, vaccine and therapeutics. Every company in the world, every scientist in the world is thinking about this. And this will be an incredible book in a few years, The Race to a Vaccine for COVID-19. I mean, it'll be an amazing page turner in my view, and it'll have people working in countries all over the world in laboratories and the speed in which they do it. So I'm encouraged. I saw Dr. Redfield, the uh, head of the CDC, Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, yesterday, said that he was optimistic that we'd have a a vaccine uh, before the end of the year. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's big. I mean, it's so big that it wiped out all the negative news about what the president said about Hong Kong, of all things. Yeah, well, that's a whole uh, another subject uh, on Hong Kong. I'm glad that uh, we take, took the action that we did. I was yes. also glad yesterday that uh, <clears throat> Boris Johnson in the U.K. formally reversed uh, their position on Huawei's uh, technology investment in the telecommunications industry in the U.K., another blow to China that um, I'm sure will send diplomatic uh, repercussions around the world. So... Uh, China is, again, as we've talked on this show many times, living up to their reputation as a bad player on the world stage and something that had been behind the scenes for most Americans for the past three decades. So my question, and, and you know, you're looking at this because you keep close tabs on the banking industry. Uh, is it that they didn't respond to this like they have in the past? because everybody knew something had to be done about China? Yeah, I really, I think that we, and after the Soviet Union fell and the Berlin Wall fell and Europe was uh, uh, reopened and free market capitalism was victorious in Europe, I think we got complacent. I think we firmly believed in the capitals in London and Paris and Bonn and in Washington, D.C. Well, gosh, uh, China will open up. And China, through trade and integration and education and uh, supply chain, they will adopt free market capitalism and join the family of nations and be a fair trader and be a fair lender and creditor in the world and be a benign, constructive military in the South China Sea. And unfortunately, none of that came to pass. And we're in a very difficult phase 
I think, not only dealing with China in those same global capitals, but coming to terms with our own decisions that have been taken over the past uh, 25 years. And that's why what President Trump has done has been so upending on this topic. He's called it out for what it is uh, and the failure of that policy. Yeah, and, and Congressman, what does this mean for the future? I mean, we've got we've got to do business with the Chinese, but it cannot be business as usual any longer. That's right, and I've argued uh, for the last three years, ever since the Trump policy pivoted on China, <clears throat> that for us to be successful, we have to have our allies in Europe and in Japan and in Southeast Asia on our side publicly. Uh, why? Because when you add those countries together, it represents almost 40% of two-way trade with China. Well, that's a big stick on economic policy. When you add all those countries together, that gives you a major national security balance in the South China Sea, from the Philippines to Vietnam to Taiwan to uh, Japan. But it has to be done publicly. And I think you're seeing that now, most recently with this pushback uh, by Boris Johnson on accepting Huawei's uh, telecommunications technology in the United Kingdom. My guest is Congressman French Hill. We've been talking a little bit about China. We've talked about Madeira talking about uh, their testing on the vaccine, and they're getting ready to go into phase three, uh, 30,000 people. Uh, and that'll take a couple of months to kind of shake down what is uh, happening. But thus far, nothing but fantastic news uh, for what's going on uh, with this new vaccine that they're trying to bring up uh, against COVID-19 and the stock market responding in kind. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's uh, talk about something that's on most families' minds right now here in the state of Arkansas, and that is how does the uh, reopening of schools look here in uh, the state of Arkansas? We'll talk about it when we come back with uh, Congressman French Hill on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, it's about 19 minutes after 7. We'll be right back with Congressman. Let me remind you that P.I. Roofing wants you to know that an easy call to 707-3551 or just peruse over to their website at piroofing.com and you can take care of any kind of problem you've got with your roof uh, without, you know, screwing around with your social distancing or anything at, at all with your family having to come in contact with anybody you don't want them to. PI Roofing wants to keep your family healthy. They want to keep their workers healthy. So they're going to keep all of those uh, special COVID-19 type of uh, of, uh, you know, social distancing and and touching people and shaking hands and all of that. They're going to keep all of that uh, away from you. They, they just want to make sure that you stay safe. But they understand that your roof is your last defense against the uh, outside elements. So you want to make sure that you keep that good as well and they can do that they can get both things done all you have to do is call them at 707-3551 or go to piroofing.com joel and veronica and their workers will go out of their way 
to serve you as one of their customers. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551, piroofing.com. Congressman uh, French Hill with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I want to talk about something that's on a lot of parents' minds right now, Congressman, and that's going back to school. Uh, Some school districts have said they're going to let kids go back to school or do part at school, part at home, digital or all digital, and giving the parents the uh, the decision-making capability of, of that. Others are saying, well, we'll do either all at school or all digital, uh, and, and you got to pick one and you got to stick with it. This is really going to be a trying time for a lot of parents, isn't it? It is, but our superintendents uh, and our principals and our teachers are hard at work <clears throat> to offer those kinds of safe choices for our students. I mean, I think uh, we're, the governor's now suggest that we're going to go back to, to learning on August 24th, and uh, the schools are going to start with uh, kids coming back to school. They're modifying their cafeteria. They're modifying their bus plan. They're encouraging uh, parents who can drop their kids off at school to do that just to reduce the capacity on the buses. They're going to do tip checks going in. Um they really have a lot of plans uh, to protect kids and protect teachers, but get back to in-person classrooms. And if a family, though, believes that that's not best for them, they're going to support uh, virtual um, uh, support for that family in that school district. So parents do have a choice here. Uh, and I saw, I think, in, in John Gilmore's recent poll, about 60-plus percent parents wanted to send their kids back to school. Uh, I had a great tele, basically a Facebook Live yesterday with Bryant, superintendent, and the superintendent and Guy Perkins, and a great discussion with parents from all over the district about many, many of these important issues. How do parents seem to be reacting? I mean, here's what's happened over the last uh, few months. We started off thinking that COVID-19, because we didn't know a lot, was really, really, really highly contagious and really, 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 really deadly. And now, uh, and they were looking at deaths before everything else, and now uh, we're saying, wow, it is contagious and people are getting infected, uh, but not as many people as we thought are dying. And so they're, 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 they've pivoted away from dying to infections as though it's as bad as dying. I don't, I don't get this. What would you say to my listeners about that? Well, I think uh, the cases now, recent cases, a lot of them are younger people, and they are getting infected, but they don't have the as severe in, uh, impact as uh, older people did when the pandemic began, and we had this huge group of uh, deaths and infections in our nursing home population, for example. But it affects people of all ages, and uh, people from all ages can get sick, which is why wearing a mask in a group setting when you can't social distance is important because you don't know who that asymptomatic person is in the Kroger or at Walmart or that you are uncertain about. So that's common sense, I think, to do that. Um, but, you know, Brian Duffy, the superintendent at um, 
Jacksonville and Joe Fisher at, uh, I said uh, Brian a minute ago, I meant Jacksonville, and Joe Fisher up at uh, at Guy Perkins both talked about how they're going to protect teachers. If a teacher has a comorbidity, for example, concerned about her health, she'll be able to teach her kids in the classroom uh, on a screen. In other words, it'll work in reverse. She'll be able to deliver virtual material, and there'll be a, a teacher's assistant there in the room with the kids, for example, if someone is not able to be in school. So I really think these superintendents are working hard with their principals and teachers to create a safe environment for our kids. Well, talking about COVID-19, you uh, sent a letter to the Vice President of the United States signed by you and the rest of the contingent of our Arkansas delegation. Can you talk about that letter? Yeah, you know, uh, just over a week ago, our hospitals were having uh, some reagent supply problems for their testing. They used a uh, firm over in Memphis, and the reagent is what is the supply that allows our high-speed test to work quickly in our hospital setting, our Department of Health setting. And uh, we urge the vice president to look at that. How do we get reagents to critical supply points across the country? Very important. If it's important here, we know it's important everywhere. And I would certainly support the president using the Defense Production Act uh, to uh, look at that supply chain and see if it can't be compelled to production because testing is key here. And why is it key to the economy? Well, this is how we're giving turnaround time for people going back to work or taking an elective surgery. We want to get these tests turned around in, in a day to 24 to 48 hours so that people can go on to their elective surgery they need to have or get back to work. Okay. So uh, the vice president, uh, heeded the, the call from you all? Well, I know the governor has spoken with him, and he just got our letter uh, at the beginning of the week, so we'll be following up with his office to see what the views are on how best we can tackle this reagent supply issue. All right, but, but, but is it important for our, our citizens to understand if we're going to test more people, that we're going to find more people that perhaps have had the COVID-19 uh, virus and they should be able to correlate the the the, the understanding that though the curve for infections are going through this, kind of going through the ceiling right now the death rate has fallen off the table here's what now think about this and this is something for everybody when they just hear these news from the governor's great press conferences every day we have about uh, 13,000 per 100,000 of people in Arkansas being tested. We got an, a uh, positivity rate in the in the seven and a half percent range or so. Mm-hmm. But when you go to hot spots to perform tests in order to see who to quarantine, uh, well, you're going to have a higher positivity rate. So when you go up and you test uh, a lot in uh, the uh, prison in Hot Spring County or a poultry plant in Northwest Arkansas or in Springdale generally, you're going to raise your positivity rate, but it allows you to isolate the people that need to be isolated, put them in quarantine and take the right uh, measures to contain the virus. And I think you're seeing that now in Northwest Arkansas, but it does raise your positivity rate. And that's um, why if we do broad testing in every county every day, which is the governor's goal, um, you're able to see a more normalized look at that positivity rate. And I think you'll see it, it'll, it'll fall 
modestly, you know, over time as you test more people in the general population, not somebody just in a hot spot. All right. Finally, we got one minute left. Uh, the PPP, how's that looking? And uh, is there still enough money there to keep helping businesses here in Arkansas? We did get it extended to August 8th, uh, June 30th. There is money available for small businesses who uh, want flexibility in keeping their employees paid. So if you have not applied, I would urge you to go to sba.gov and uh, learn the facts and then go to your bank and apply. This gives you money to keep your employees, bring employees back, get them paid. And if you do that over a 24-week period or so, you can have that loan uh, forgiven. So it's a very useful tool for small businesses. We're going to try to modify it and make it even more helpful uh, as we work on this next uh, coronavirus-related piece of legislation this month in Congress. All right, Congressman, thank you very much, and uh, we appreciate your time here My on pleasure, the Dave Elford Show. Talk Have a good soon. day. All right, we're done with the congressman. We'll be back uh, after the break. we got Rush coming up, and then uh, we'll play him and have a break. And then Dr. Terry Yamauchi will be calling in, and we'll talk all things COVID-19. We'll talk, uh, you know, with, you know, what about professional sports? Does he think that they're going to happen? Is uh, college football going to happen? Uh you have to understand that though you're seeing infection rates go up, mortality is going is dropped off the table. So it's this disease is not as deadly as uh, we once thought it was. So we got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned.